Thank you, Cameron, for reading our scripture. We're grateful for your presence. We do want to continue to remember those who are traveling this week. We have a number that have been away, and hopefully and prayerfully everyone will be back safe and sound, and next week we'll have more folks back with us. We do appreciate the opportunity to be together to worship God in spirit and in truth. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back and be with us. We're so grateful that you've chosen to be here tonight, and we would encourage you to come and to be a part of our worship services, every opportunity that you have. It might be that you're looking for a church home. We've had a number of folks that have identified with us, and we'd love to have you join hands with us and help us to spread the cause of Christ in this community. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2 in just a moment. And we're going to be looking specifically at verses 41 through 52 as we think about the theme, the amazing boy, Jesus. This morning I made mention of the fact that years ago, my dad stood at the kitchen window and watched a bunch of kids running around the backyard. They were running around, as he said, like a bunch of little monkeys. What I didn't tell you was those little monkeys were my cousins. They were wild. And I guess a lot of us were wild at that age. But you know, when you think about children, there are some children that are amazing. None more so than the boy Jesus. Everything about him that we know stands out. It's interesting that the scriptures talk about in detail his birth and the prophecies about his birth. And then following the birth of Jesus, there's a period of silence until the age of 12. And then another period of silence for about 18 years. Nothing is said about the life of Jesus until he begins his public ministry. In Luke chapter 2, we have insight into this amazing boy. And I think there are some reasons why he was so amazing. First of all, I think about the guidance of Jesus. And really, as we think about the guidance of Jesus... We're talking about his earthly family, his earthly parents. Now, I understand that Jesus was as earthly as his mother and as heavenly as his father. The Bible tells us that an angel of God appeared unto Joseph in a dream and said that that which had been conceived in Mary was of the Holy Spirit. And this angel said, she shall bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. For it is he that shall save his people from their sins. Joseph occupied the position of an earthly parent. He was the earthly father of Jesus. So as we think about the guidance of Jesus, I want to begin by talking about the duty imposed upon these parents. Look at verse 41. The text says that his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. 
Now, if you go back and look at Exodus chapter 23, you'll find out that there were three major feasts that specified all Jewish males were to be present in the city of Jerusalem to observe these feasts. Passover, the Passover was one. And then there was the feast of Pentecost and also the feast of the tabernacles. They had the responsibility, that is these Jewish men, they had the responsibility of making their way to Jerusalem every year. And here we find that the parents of Jesus honored that duty. Look, if you would, again at what is said. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Now, the Passover takes us back to Exodus chapter 12. You remember God's people were in, they were in bondage. And Pharaoh had made them serve as taskmasters. They had been enslaved in Egypt for some 400 years. God was now about to deliver them out of bondage. He had called on a man by the name of Moses to be the leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel. And so in Exodus chapter 12, we have the institution of the Passover. And you recall that destroying angel swept through the land and killed every firstborn that did not have the blood on the specified place. So the parents of Jesus... They went to Jerusalem because they were obligated to do so, because it was their duty. But I want you to notice, if you would, their dedication. The text says that his parents went to Jerusalem every year. Note that. The responsibility was to go every single year, not bi-yearly, not every five years, but every year. And the text says when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. You ever just pause long enough to think about the kind of people that God entrusted his child with? When I think about the earthly parents of Jesus, these were not just any ordinary people. Now I understand they were human beings and they were ordinary in, their, in that respect. But don't you believe that these were people that God recognized would honor their sacred duties, that would live dedicated lives, that would do what they should be doing as parents, as guardians of this baby Jesus, of this young boy Jesus? What if God had placed Jesus in your hands as a parent? Would you have been that faithful? Would you have honored the law of God on an annual basis, on a daily basis? What kind of an example would you have set before Jesus? Now we talk about the dedication and the duty of the parents of Jesus. I want to submit to you tonight that we need parents today 
who are worthy of imitation. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need mamas and daddies in our, in our world today who are worthy of imitation. I believe with all of my heart that Joseph and Mary set a golden example before Jesus. Now, Jesus was an amazing boy, and we'll learn more about that in just a minute. But the point that impresses me and ought to impress all of us is that the parents of Jesus, they were godly parents. They were spiritually minded parents. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Paul is telling the church at Corinth, look, you follow my lead insofar as I follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Now, Peter said that Jesus has left us an example that we should follow in his steps as a parent. What kind of footsteps footprints are you leaving for your children to walk in? What do they see in your life? Again, we talk about being the right example. If we want our children to be faithful to Almighty God, then we have to be faithful to God. And really what that mandates is that we exercise every single opportunity we have to be at worship, at Bible study, at other gatherings, that we try to involve ourselves in the work of the church, that we do our best to get our, our young folks, our children integrated into the youth group, into the work. Why? Because they are important. As a parent, you have within your possession a golden heritage called a child and you are the guardian of that baby of that child and I don't care if that child is 40 or 50 years old it's still your baby as a parent I believe that Joseph and Mary were worthy of imitation what about you is your life worthy of imitating? And then think about this. Not only do we need parents who are worthy of imitation, but we need parents who are given to instruction. And that is, we as parents have to take the lead in teaching our children about Jesus, the church, the Word of God, where do you think our children are going to learn? Where do you think they're going to learn respect for authority? You know where they need to learn it? It's in the home. When they learn respect for authority in the home, then it becomes natural to appreciate the respect of Scripture. Now you go back to the law of Moses. You remember God said to Moses in the long ago, that the Israelite families, that is the parents 
of those Israelite children. They were to teach them diligently the law of Jehovah in Deuteronomy chapter 6. They had the responsibility of schooling their children in God's word. Now we talk about laying a foundation. Let me tell you why our, our country is adrift. There may be a lot of factors contributing to the demise of our country, but first and foremost is the home. We got a lot of mamas and daddies that have failed in their responsibility to teach their children the law of God. There are children in our country today, they don't know one thing about Jesus. They don't know one thing about the law of God. They have no idea that they are accountable to an almighty God in heaven. They don't know that. There are a lot of parents that ought to be ashamed of themselves because they have not discharged the duty that has been entrusted into their hands. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 at verse 4, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but rather bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Not hard to understand, is it? And yet it seems to be so foreign to the ears of many. We've got mamas and daddies wringing their hands and wondering why their children are out of control. We've got mamas and daddies who are wondering why their children can't get along with others, why they're rebellious, why they are disobedient in school, why they're getting in trouble with the law. Let me tell you why. Because somebody didn't do their job in the home. I understand that children, they have the ability to make choices. But when they're in the home, the golden rule ought to be exercised. And that golden rule is the man with the gold rules. And there are a lot of kids that think they're in, they're in that seat of authority and no disrespect to children. But the authority lies within the parents, the mamas and daddies. There are children that tell their parents what they're going to do. And they tell them this and that. And you would think that they're the ones in charge. Let me tell you what, there's some mamas and daddies that need to rein that in and take control of the home. So when you look at the life of Jesus, when you look at the young life of Jesus, first of all, you see the guidance of Jesus. And then there's a second thing that stands out. We talk about the guidance of this young boy, Jesus. But note, if you would, beginning in verse 43, the grief over Jesus. Now somebody might ask the question, why would the earthly parents of Jesus, why would they be, why would they be grieved? Well, we have a distressing situation. Let's talk about their distress. And then we'll talk about their discovery. Look at verse 43. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. So we asked the question, where did Jesus stay? Well, he stayed behind in Jerusalem. What did they suppose? They supposed 
that he had been in the company. In other words, they thought he was with them. I don't really think that they were negligent per se. I do think that you got a 12-year-old boy, and if you've had a 12-year-old, you know how they can be. But nonetheless, the boy Jesus lingered behind. Now there is some application here for those of us who are parents. Because there are a whole lot of mamas and daddies in our country today that are negligent when it comes to the welfare of their children. Would you agree with that? Would you agree that there are mamas and daddies that are negligent when it comes to caring for their children? You heard about mamas and daddies that forget they have a child in the back seat? And that child suffocates to death in midsummer? What in the world were they thinking? Were they thinking? Or what about the negligence of mamas and daddies that let their children run out all over the city at all hours of the day and night and have no idea where they are? That's negligence. Please listen to me, especially our young folks. There is nothing good, nothing, nothing good happens after midnight. You don't have any business being out on the road after midnight. You don't have any business running up and down the highway after midnight. Now you can fight with your mom and daddy and you can pitch a fit, but let me tell you what, they know what they're talking about. There are a lot of young folks that end up in the morgue because... They disobeyed their parents or their mamas and daddies didn't care enough to impose a curfew on them. And that's not a bad word. There's nothing wrong with mandating, look, you need to be in at 11 o'clock or you need to be in at 1130 or midnight. But now listen to me. With responsibility comes accountability. If you're not responsible then as a parent, you can pull that, that privilege or that right. So, negligence. Look at verse Look at verse 44 again. Supposing him to be in the to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Where did they search? They went back to Jerusalem. Now, they had gone a day's journey, and the Bible says, so it was that after three days they found him in the temple. They had gone out a day's journey. Obviously, they spent another day making their way back, and they find him on the third day. Now, look at what the text says. And so it was that after three days they found him in the temple. Now, here's the discovery. Here's what the parents of Jesus learned about this amazing boy. They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. First of all, they learned about his aptitude, didn't they? Now, Jesus was God and man, wasn't he? And I understand that Jesus emptied himself. He divested himself 
of certain characteristics in coming to planet Earth. But this fellow was amazing. At the age of 12, he is sitting as a student, as a pupil, before these lecturers or before these scholars. He's listening to them. He's asking questions. And what, what does the text say? The text says they were astonished. It says something about the aptitude of Jesus. We got a lot of young folks here that have great ability, smart, intelligent. When I think about the aptitude of our young folks, their intelligence level, they can do great things. You can do great things. You have been blessed in many respects to have been reared in a Christian home, to have been taught right from wrong. You've been blessed to have a mama and daddy that loves you and cares about you and that's concerned about guiding you. And you can be anything you want to be in this life. We've got some young folks, we've got some young men here that I know could be preachers one day. I have no doubt they have that kind of aptitude. It's just a matter of whether or not that's what they want to do. Now the parents of Jesus, they learned about his aptitude, but also connect to that his attitude. When they saw him, they were amazed. His mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us now? I don't think this was a rebuke per se. She was concerned like any mother would be. And here's what she said. Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Listen to what he said. Why is it that you, that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? What's that say about this young fella? This amazing boy Jesus. It says that he had an attitude desirous of doing his Father's will in heaven. Think about that for a minute. Jesus loved his Father's business. Later, we'll see more develop along this, along this line. But here at the age of 12, Jesus is saying, look, I need to be about my Father's business. At the age of 30, he would begin a three-and-a-half-year ministry that would entail him giving himself for the sins of the human family. Now, you think about the attitude of this 12-year-old 12 12 boy. Is it not great to see young people that have an attitude desirous of doing the will of God, of wanting to please God the Father? You know, sometimes it's difficult to please people in the human family, but let me tell you what, you can please God. You can live in such a way so that you please Him when you live a faithful life. So we got young folks that have the right attitude. They have aptitude, they have attitude. And not a bad attitude, but a good attitude. So the grief over Jesus, but then there's a third thing I want you to see. Well, let's look at verse 49 very quickly again. Why is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And then in verse 50, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. 
Now you have to understand that revelation was given bit by bit, piece by piece. And the earthly mama and daddy of Jesus, they're learning. And obviously this was perplexing in respects, in some respects, to this circumstance. But now think with me, if you would, about the growth of Jesus. Look at verses 51 and 52. As we think about the growth of Jesus, there are two things here. First, his discipline. Jesus was a disciplined child. And what do I mean by that? I mean he was a child given to submission. He was submission. He was submissive to his parents. Listen to what it said in verse 51. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. That word subject carries with it the idea of habitual, continuous. And really what Luke is saying is that Jesus was continuously, he was habitually submissive to his mama and daddy, to his earthly mama and daddy. What was it Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1? You remember? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for what? For this is right. Do you remember he said, honor your father and mother? You remember that statement? Jesus was obedient. Not only was he obedient in the home, but he was respectful. So his discipline, and then note his development. Look at verse 52. The text says that Jesus increased. In other words, there is a development going on in the life of Jesus, just like in the life of every child. He's growing. Well, how so? Well, first of all, Luke said he grew in wisdom. That is, he grew intellectually. Back in the book of Proverbs in chapter 4, Solomon said wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, he said, get wisdom. We ought to read Proverbs every day. Why? Because it is a book that is filled with divine nuggets of truth. There's a lot of practical application revealed for us in the book of Proverbs. You can read one chapter every day, every month. 31 chapters in Proverbs. James said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally. So we need wisdom. Jesus was growing intellectually. He was growing in wisdom. Now we talk about knowledge. Was Jesus a knowledgeable boy? Obviously. He was an amazing child. He was obviously well acquainted with the scriptures. Sometimes we need wisdom, well, we always need wisdom to know how to use the knowledge that we possess. So here is Jesus. He is growing in wisdom. And then look at what it said. He increased in wisdom and stature. That is, he grew mentally or intellectually, and he grew physically. Paul tells us to exercise ourselves unto God godliness. He said bodily exercise profits a little. Now, young folks, they're growing. And that's a natural part of life. And so Jesus, as a child, at the age of 12, is growing. 
He's growing mentally. He's growing physically. And then look at what it said. He's growing in favor with God. That's the spiritual dimension. Jesus is growing mentally, physically, and spiritually. I want to ask you as a parent, are you pleased with the spiritual development of your child? Are you pleased at where they are in their spiritual journey in this life? You see, as a parent, you are their guardian. And you, as a parent, can be like the mother and grandmother of Lois and Eunice, or rather of Timothy. Lois and Eunice were their names. You remember the Bible talked about the faith that dwelt in the grandmother of Timothy, then in the mother of Timothy, and then he said, and I am persuaded is in you also. Well, how that faith, how did that spiritual understanding come about? Listen to what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And that from a baby, and that from childhood, he said, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy had a godly mother and grandmother, didn't he? And they had the opportunity, the privilege to mold and shape him. They had the opportunity or the privilege of molding and shaping his spiritual character. And you think about Timothy. He became a great evangelist. And one of the reasons is because he had a good foundation. As parents, we want to lay the right kind of foundation. So Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God. And then look at what it said. And man, that's socially. Now look at what it said. Jesus increased mentally, physically, Spiritually and socially. That is a well-rounded child, is it not? Now you ask the question, why do our children need to grow in their social relations? Well, just turn the news on. I was watching this past week. The news reported that a certain school, the city of Memphis had the police on their campus 27 times. You know what that says? Kids don't know how to get along. Well, look, when they have mamas and daddies that fight like cats and dogs and don't know how to get along with one another, should it surprise us that the children don't know how to get along with one another? I'm not talking about a playground fight. I'm talking about kids that have no appreciation for the sanctity of human life. They don't value their life, nor do they value the lives of others. They lack the necessary social skills to get along with people. Where are they going to learn that? School teachers? Is that their responsibility? They have an influence. Where are they going to learn that? Where are they going to learn how to get along with others? Let me tell you where they need to learn. In the home. 
Did I ever get in trouble when I was a young person? You better believe it. Did I ever fight? Yes, I did. But you know what? My folks, they ruled with an iron thumb, so to speak. And I understand that when they said something, that was law. And my folks taught me to appreciate certain values and to appreciate other people. Please listen to me very carefully. God is colorblind. He doesn't care about color. He cares about character. And we ought not care about color. We ought to care about character. That's what ought to reign supreme. Because the Bible says God has made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth. Now here's the bottom line. We live in a world with some 7 billion people. We need to learn to get along. We need to learn to get along with people who, are, who have a different skin color, who have a different educational background, who come from a different country. We need to learn to get along with one another. Why? Because that's what the Bible teaches. Our country is spiraling because we've said no to this book. It's called the Bible. And this book is for all people. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in His sight. God loves each and every person. And we ought to do our best to live in peace with all men, as Paul said in the book of Romans. Now you look at Jesus. Look at His life. Here's a young fellow that was growing mentally, physically, spiritually, and socially. Now you give me children like that and we'll change the world in which we live. We'll change the makeup of our country. We close tonight, as we always do, by extending the invitation. Jesus was an amazing boy. And Jesus the boy became Jesus the man who is Jesus the Savior. John said, We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. I want to encourage you tonight, if you're not a Christian, to come to Christ, to believe that He is who He claimed to be, the Son of God, John 8, verse 24, to repent of your sins, to confess His name before others, as the eunuch did in Acts 8, verse 37, to be baptized into Christ so that every sin can be washed away, Acts 22, 16. And then to be faithful until death, with the promise being the crown of life, Revelation 2, 10. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful, could we encourage you to come home? We have the opportunity to pray with you and for you. And God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.